0: Welcome back, everybody. It's you Winning Edge, the podcast edition brought to you by Campus to Canton. I am your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports, at CFP Winning Edge for the man, the myth, the legend, Nicholas Ian Allen, and Xavier Trish at Xavier, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter machine at Campus to Canton for Campus to Canton. I think that's everybody. Week four was so much fun. I cannot believe, guys, that we are already on week five. The season is moving fast and furious, but Nick... Your quick thoughts on Week Four and what we saw. Well, yeah, I mean, you bring up a, a
1: good point. We're pretty much a quarter of the season, uh, you know, quarter way through the season, which is uh, kind of crazy to think how quickly it comes. Um, it was an exciting week. I mean, the you know, Florida State surviving that trip to Clemson in overtime, uh, Ohio State. Finding a way to to win at the last second at Notre Dame, Penn State looked dominant. Uh, Oregon looked dominant. The Utah defense looked dominant. Uh, LSU survived a scare. Alabama bounced back a little bit. Washington State. I mean, there were so many uh, great games. So many, you know, high profile matchups. Of course, we spent all last week talking about it um but i think the excitement of the weekend uh really kind of lived up to that we learned a few things and now that we hit sort of that you know checkpoint uh, of a quarter of the way through the season uh i know me personally a good chunk of my week so far has been kind of diving a little deeper into our performance how things are going um last week specifically was a little rough from uh against the spread standpoint, how we grade our projections against the spread. Um, It was our worst performance of the week as far as wins and losses go, Uh, but it was our best performance of the week as far as average uh, absolute error. So it's one of those trust the process uh, sort of weeks. Hopefully we'll continue to trend in the right direction on uh, absolute error. All three models are um, outpacing last season by a good, margin um but the wins haven't quite got there hopefully uh you know those trends continue and and the wins will eventually come but um last week especially was was definitely one where it was you know there are there are some positive signs even if uh the the one loss record isn't as good as it you know maybe could be or, or we want it to be uh but as far as football on the field i mean what a great weekend last weekend and and set up for i think a uh you know not not quite as high profile but we've got um more games you know i put more games on the list uh this week than we've had so far because there are a lot of interesting matchups as well
0: yeah i mean this this week is going to be fun last week was so good i mean we're going to remember it xavier as the 10 men on the field game that's just going to be how it's going to go down because everyone made a big such a big deal about it after the game and look uh it, it, yeah. How can you have 10 guys out there That twice. is tw- twice twice two plays in a row at the end of the, the most important plays of the game? So, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it was a very, very fun week. What, what did you what did you glean from week four here? Um,
2: you know, I think a lot of the things I, I said last week were solidified. I mean, we we, we knew Oregon was a good team. I, I felt like they were they're on the cusp of being a great team. I want to see that defense against a better offense for sure. Uh, But they felt like they were poised for a big night. Um, The one thing I will say was completely wrong on Washington State. And Cam Ward has fixed what seemed to be all, not some, all of the issues he had last year. Ball security, pocket presence. I mean, there's so many things. Well, in watching that game, you know, some of the balls he was able to throw, I was just like – this looks like incarnate word, Cam Ward, not like first year in the FBS, Cam Ward. And that's great to see because I think that kid is immensely talented. Um, I was joking with a friend I said he's everything people thought Malik Willis was. So I, I, I think that that kid is lightning in a bottle. And if he can get the foundational pieces down in his game, that's that, that you're looking at a first round talent. Um, outside of that, I, I felt like the games, I, I feel like the game's. Lived up to the, maybe their hype in some respects um, outside of Colorado, Oregon. I thought Ohio State was good. I thought the Ohio State Northern game was a, a snooze fest for all the, the new Gen Z kids who want high flying football. But for us oldies who like a nice little snob, uh, you know, slobber knocker, I thought it was great. Um, you know, um, coming down to the absolute last drive, a couple of boneheaded decisions. We could talk about the ten men on the field, but how about you gave, giving up a third and nineteen when all they need is twenty yards to score? So, <laughs> you know, as a as as a former DB, I was like, uh, protect the end zone was taken very literally here, uh, but let them all get all the way down to the one yard line was not what you were supposed to do there. Uh, so that was cool. I, I thought that, like I said, I thought Oregon State, Washington State had the had all the makings of a game that maybe should have been closer in some respects, some amazing catches by and plays by some Washington state receivers. Um, But I felt like both of those teams, I still walked away with being like, both you guys can still contend. Um, And lastly, I went on this, what I said about Salt Lake city is correct. There's something in that water, man. You go up there and play that defense is like, we're going to play our absolute butts off. Even if that means all we're going to get is you know, it's seven points from our offense. That's all we're going to need tonight. We're gonna give seven. They're gonna give seven, and we're gonna win the game. So, score yeah. some
0: points, Christ's sake! The rest of the Pac-12 is they, come on. They score they, some they points. Need, they, they need Cam
2: Rising. We know this. We, we know do. that that's not sustainable, sustainable for the whole year. But I mean, they've won two games this year where their offense has given them, I think, seven and ten points respectively.
0: Yeah. So definitely. my Steelers won with two defensive touchdowns on Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah. it's just not <laughs> sustainable. <laughs> uh, for the over the course of the entire season, but yeah, Utah is very good defensively, very, very good. So, all right, well, let's dive into week five and we will start uh on Friday night in you in Oregon State. Uh, Utah is on the road here. Oregon State is a three point home favorite, 45 and a half is the total here. Um, is there any value in, in this game, Nick? I kind of, I mean, I like Utah. I don't think Cam Rising is playing in this game because they've said he was going to be up last week. They said he's going to be up the week before. And I think they're coming up on a bye week after this week, right? So I kind of feel like Cam might not play until after that bye week. But have you heard anything official? And how do you feel about this game? Uh,
1: So everything that I have heard is that apparently it just hasn't gotten cleared by the doctor, his doctor. Um, in I believe California, so not not local, which is uh you know that that hit my ear kind of funny when when I heard that. um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean every every week because we hear, you know, questionable if he's if he's cleared, he'll play that that sort of thing. So uh, I'm gonna go in and and you know, change the depth chart projections because I do want to give Utah its full, uh, you know, the full strength of its power rating. Uh, so that includes cam rising. We also still have not seen Grant Keithy, uh, one of the top tight ends in the country. Uh, so I keep plugging them back in as starters to, to try to boost Utah as much as, uh, we can, but, um, uh, you know, uh, until apparently he gets cleared by, uh, the doctor, yeah, it sounds like we, we won't see them. You bring up an interesting point with a bye week um, still to go. Uh, This is a, this is a, a tough spot for Utah. Um, You know, Xavier mentioned how, how difficult it is to, to go into Salt Lake city. And it seems like there's just something, something about it, that it's a really, really difficult place to win. Like, Pullman, you know. Uh, well, Corvallis is is another one of those places. There are a few of them sprinkled throughout uh, the Pac-12, and so Oregon State has had some big moments at home on uh, you know a, a weeknight. Getting this game on a Friday night, weird things sometimes can can happen. Um, so Utah, so far this year, definitely has been the better team. I mean, one of the best defenses in the country. They currently rank fourth in defensive team performance overall Um, top 30 against the pass, top 10 against the run, the offense, you know, obviously has struggled um, but they've just found ways to win last week, defensive touchdown to start the game basically. Um, And until the very, uh, you know, uh, late in the, in the fourth quarter, I believe it was UCLA really didn't Seemed like they were uh, going to be able to score at all, and, and did end up uh, tacking on a, a late touchdown. But uh, that Utah defense was just dominant from from start to finish, almost. Uh, Oregon State has been, I think, a, a little bit more well rounded team, in part because you know, offensively, um, even though last week obviously they they came out on the short end, the offense uh, put up some numbers and and they do rank 11th in overall offensive team performance. They rank sixth in rushing team performance, uh, top 25, uh, passing as well. And then they've been playing top 40 defense. Um, they're, you know, somewhat mediocre, both against the pass and against the run, but, um, there's no uh, obvious weakness, uh, one way or the other. And, and kind of that, you know consistency, I guess. Uh, where they're 62nd pa- against the pass, 63rd against the run in defensive team performance. That comes out to, to 36th overall defensively. Um, they're you know just a, a a good enough defense most of the time. Last week, obviously, the trip to Washington State was was a bit of a struggle. So um, I you know you you ask, is there uh, value? Is there an edge here? Our numbers uh, don't really see it. I mean, our team strength projection, our our official projection does have Oregon State covering, but by less than four points, a little more than three and a half points. uh, The talent edge is a good bit closer. Again, with rising with Keithy on the Utah side uh, brings that number down to about one and a half. Oregon State would be favored in talent edge. Um, and then the stats only model likes Oregon, or excuse me, Oregon state a little bit more. Um, it's, at, it's slightly more than four and a half. So um, the numbers are, are on both sides of it. There's not, you know, a, a big projected edge. Um, the, the biggest on one side is, you know, 1.66 on the other side, it's 1.65. So uh, this line is, you know, pretty, pretty much where it should be. It seems like Oregon state, because of the home field advantage, uh, and I would say because of the uncertainty for Utah, especially on the offensive side of the ball, is, is favored. And I understand why. Um, and we'll just see if if, you know, Utah is going to continue to play elite defense and find a way to do it on the road. Or if Oregon State is, uh, you know, going to be able to, to do enough to uh, find a way to get a win, big win at home.
0: Xavier, what are your thoughts in this game? Do you like the Beavers or are you back on the Utes here?
2: See this one feels like a game that once again Utah can win when his defense, right? Um, Oregon State has not been necessarily too dynamic of an offense through the air, which uh, greatly you know benefits the the Oregon State defense. They have not been a great team, um, you know, testing the outside, which once again, or, or uh, Utah has been great against anyways. On top of that, you know, this looks like a game that is going to be played in the trenches. Once again, benefits I think. Um, Utah and Oregon State's defense this past week, I thought was just really poor on big plays. It'll be a, it'll be a huge emphasis for them going into this week on fixing on, on not giving up the big plays because I really think I'm not mistaken. Washington State didn't have too many just pure drives against them. I feel like that there were there was a lot of four and five play drives that you know included maybe a 45 yard pass or a 35 yard touchdown uh, here and there. So. I think that you know in this game, I, I would lean, like Nick said, a little bit on Oregon State being the more balanced unit here, uh, just simply because you know it's being reported still that Nate Johnson and Cam Rising are splitting snaps in practice. So I would believe that you know at that point you're, you're essentially saying that Nate Johnson has probably at the very least a fifty to sixty percent chance of playing this week, uh, if not more. And how much time, like we said earlier, how many how many more games can Utah really wear out its luck? in these matchups. Um, I think Oregon state is going to try to get back to playing their football. I think they got away from that last week. I think they tried to turn DJ back into too much of a passer. Um, They got a little, they got away from the run game a little bit. Now I also understand that part of that had to do with Washington state kind of, you know, hitting some massive plays in the ball game, but I still felt that they were, you know, a little bit too, too cute uh, to to coin a term with their offense last week, uh, quarters one through three. And I feel like they got back to that. And maybe in the second half of the second half, Uh, So, yeah, all that being said, I just don't know how much more they can lean on that defense to hold a team to seven points or ten points. Oregon State offensively is is probably the best offense that they've played all year, and I think realistically Oregon State is going to score more than 10 to 14 points this week. So give me Oregon State. They get back on track. The one thing I will say, though, once again, is that this team – has found ways to win and create offense when they've really needed it, like in the in the Florida game. So I would not be so would not surprise me if for some reason Utah was able to put up 17 points. And this was a 17-17 game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, like yeah, it's gonna. I, I think it's gonna be another ugly affair. It also could be a game that ends in about two and a half two two, two and a half hours with both run games at both. Features. <laughs> but. Uh, I I'm wanting to lean on Oregon state due to the fact that they're balanced and more healthy at this point. And even though Utah's defense has been great, this is probably the biggest test that they've had all year.
0: Yeah. It's not a, uh, it's very fun if you're a Utah fan. Cause I know I've been on the, I've been a Steelers fan my whole life. So I've seen a team ugly up a game to win, you know? Uh, so, and just do just enough on offense to win. that's like the history of my team. So, but, but it, on the outside, it's not that much fun. This game should be more fun Maybe not if you're a Colorado fan and uh, it's at home, so uh, not going to be fun for, I think, the Colorado people. But USC is on the road against Colorado. Uh, The line here is 21 and a half in favor of the Trojans. 73 and a half is the total in this game. Just an absurd number. But, I mean, USC might put up most of it themselves here, uh, Nick. I mean, (laughs) how do you see this game playing out? Because this looks like after we saw Colorado kind of get exposed last week it seems like this is going to be USC in a walk
1: well so the the reason that i thought we would spend a little bit of time on this one uh it is our biggest spread that uh, of any game that we currently have uh pegged to talk about but our our projection in this one is very similar to what happened last week and and we mentioned that we weren't far off uh, of what the odds makers had but we were on Colorado, uh, to cover. And, and, you know, of course, obviously, uh, it ended up going the, the other way. Very, very similar, uh, point spread right now. Very, very similar projection. We are, uh, of course, uh, you know, do have USC favored in this game. Our projected uh, team strength point spread is 21.1. So again, just shy of that 21 and a half. Uh, the talent edge, it's actually a, a good bit closer, have it at 12 and a half. Again, we've talked about, you know, the, the upgrades roster wise of, uh, you know, what Colorado has done uh, plays a big role into that. Now the stats only model, which only takes into account, um, you know, our team performance numbers, advanced stats, Throws a bunch of things into the uh, mix and and spits out a, a projected point spread that uh, you know doesn't worry about injuries doesn't worry about um, uh, raw talent numbers things like that. That one has USC covering has has the Trojans favored by twenty three. So maybe that one is is uh, what we should trust here based on what we saw last week against Oregon. Our concerns for the Colorado defense uh, were valid and and you know certainly uh wouldn't expect a much better showing this week against USC which is you know currently number 1 in offensive team performance. Colorado on the other side is now down to 119th in defensive team performance, 108th against the pass, 125th against the run. Uh the the primary difference I think is um you know Colorado uh, not that that they were completely taken by surprise but you know maybe got a little bit of a, a wake up call USC didn't look all that great against Arizona State last week on the road this is back to back road games um and you know the games the games in boulder so um i don't have a ton of confidence in the projection i wouldn't be surprised if this game ends up a lot like last week's game where um USC just puts up you 35 or, or 40 in the first half. Uh, we'll just see, will Colorado actually be able to, uh, you know, put up some points of their own in that first half and, and hang in there. So um, we are on Colorado to cover, but this is one that even on the road, uh, USC, yeah, should should be able to win and, and should be able to win uh,
0: without too much trouble. Uh, Xavier, your thoughts here on USC and Colorado
2: it's either going to be a blowout like it was last week or Colorado is going to do their damnedest to keep this within two scores. Um, I just don't see how they do it. Now I will say this much. USC was not impressive in their last one against Arizona state in the slightest. Um, that was not an impressive outfit from them. I thought they were maybe looking a game ahead and they allowed an Arizona state team that they are far better than to hang around for, you know, three, almost four quarters. Um, I just feel like, and this is an unfortunate reality for Colorado, they got a target on their back, whether by, because of what Dion says in the press conferences and in the media or the fact that they have people vlogging their games or whatever. They got a target on their back when they're not really good enough to have a target on their back. Um, and that's kind of just an unfortunate reality when you have a personality like your head coach. When their son is doing a weekly podcast, when their injured player is doing his own weekly podcast with his girlfriend, like you've got too much going on off the field that pisses everybody off, and all that's going to do is piss off the people that you're playing, and they are the people that only matter. To be honest with you, who cares about how the media feels? It's how the other eleven men on the you know how the eleven men in your locker room feel, or the the players in your locker room, and the players are going to be playing across from
0: you. We know Dan Lanning doesn't like it, and I guarantee for a fact.
2: I guarantee you Lane is saying, Kiffin is saying the same thing. Maybe not with as many expletives, but saying the exact same thing. He is firing off on every single thing. I'm sorry, not Lane Kiffin. I don't know why I said Lane Kiffin. Lincoln Riley is saying the exact same thing. Like, he is focusing entirely on that team's persona off of the field, as most coaches will this year, because at the end of the day, when you play Colorado this year, you understand that now the media win or lose is going to be talking about you. So what are you going to want to go out there and do? Pummel them into the absolute ground, and that's going to be the, the way that the Pac twelve looks at them um, for the rest of the year. Because let's be one hundred percent honest with ourselves. Do we? I, I'm not even entirely sure that Colorado would have been able to, would have been one of the teams that left the Pac twelve if Deion Sanders wasn't their head coach. That's just my honest opinion. Uh, but once again, I think it's going to be a tough outfit for Colorado. We talked about this, you know, at the, during the preseason. Dude, they have the trenches are horrible. They're not good enough. They don't have enough depth. And that's gonna kill them in these seasons in the rest of the season. You saw against Oregon. Yeah, they passed the ball for funsies, but they wanted third and five. They got third and five. They wanted third and nine on the ground. They got third and nine. They needed a fourth and one. They picked it up. Like they don't have the bodies to contend with anybody who's got a genuine rushing attack. And so I think they'll struggle. To to find their footing, um, you know, w- w- against uh, a USC, obviously what we saw last week against Oregon, hell, they still they probably are going to get Utah with a healthy Cam Rising. Like it's just going to be a tough, you know, they've got what six going into last week. I think they had what five ranked games left on their schedule. It's going to be tough in the second half of the year to find ways to win games in a pack t- in the conference. There, like I said, and I'll say it again, I think the Pac-12 is the best conference in college football this year. You know, they, they have yet to prove me wrong. Um, and so I, I really think that they're gonna they're gonna struggle. And I expect it to be a blowout. I I expect there to be some flashes from Colorado this week, more so than there was last week. Uh, but I, I think USC gets to that three touchdown
0: mark. All right, let's go over to the sec where Florida is on the road against Kentucky. Kentucky is a two and a half point favorite, 45 and a half. Is the total here? Uh, Nick, I just don't know what Florida team we're getting, and I don't know uh, if anybody else does either. They've looked strong, they've looked bad, uh, and a little bit of everything in between. So, how do you suss out this game between because Kentucky's a good team, they're favoring this game, they're at home, but traditionally, Florida is usually better than them. How do we see it playing out?
1: Yeah, this, this one definitely caught my eye, our, our projection, because, uh, you know, it, it, like you said, it shouldn't be a surprise that Kentucky is favored in this game. Um, what was surprising to me is that all three of our models lined up to where uh, there's a, a fairly significant edge on Kentucky to cover this game. Uh Kentucky's a team that it seems like year to year our projections uh vary somewhat wildly. Uh some years they're very low on Kentucky, some years uh they're very high on Kentucky. This seems to be one of the the high years. Kentucky um currently in our uh team strength power ratings is 21st nationally. Um they, uh, you know, are, are a pretty talented team. They rank 23rd in roster strength, 18th in offensive roster strength. Uh, they've played well so far this season. They are 20th, uh, excuse me, top 20. They're 19th in overall team performance. They are top 35 offensively, 25th passing, 40th rushing. Uh, and then defensively, they've played really, really well. They're, they're top 15 in overall defensive team performance, top 15 uh, both against the run and the pass, including number three against the pass. And, you know, that's going to be a very, very tough matchup for a Florida team and, and specifically a Florida offense, as you mentioned, that um, we don't necessarily know what we're going to see. I mean, Graham Mertz has, you know, uh, if you look at the, the box score, he's had some, uh decent performances so far this season. uh one of those that that you know looks best in the box score is that week one trip to Utah when you know as we were watching, he didn't look all that good, you know uh twice he has gone over 11 yards per pass attempt against McNeese you know legitimately would look very good against weak competition. uh but last week against Charlotte, you know, put together, uh, a pretty impressive stat line: twenty-one of twenty-four, two hundred eighty-four yards, eleven point eight yards per attempt, which is, you know, sky high. Uh, what, what, really, what you're looking for? But you know, that win itself just wasn't all that impressive against the Charlotte team that you would have expected. I mean, they were what thirty-point favorites or something like that, and and won twenty-two to seven. So, um, Florida. Has a, a good running game, I and mean, we saw Trevor Etienne, uh really take over the game against Tennessee. Montrell Johnson, you know the the two of them are, are a really really solid one two punch. Ricky Pearsall, I mean he had maybe the catch of the year last week against Charlotte, but uh,
0: has been. <laughs> a... Have you seen Have you seen the like side by side with uh, him and OBJ, and and OBJ didn't get hit like Pearsall did. I mean, right. just what a catch! Yeah.
1: Incredible. And and he's been good. He's been productive. Um, It sounds like they're getting good news on Eugene Wilson, the third, the true freshman wide receiver uh, who has been pretty exciting uh, in in spurts this year. So, you know, Florida, it sounds like is, is, uh, uh, you know, they've got the pieces on offense to be uh, a a pretty solid unit. I know that they have, uh, they've missed Kingsley, uh, Iggy uh, their starting center, I think is only played in the Tennessee game. Um, missed, uh, you know, has, has had a couple of different injuries, it sounds like, that's, that's caused him to miss time. I'm not 100% sure what his situation coming in to this game is, um, but Florida's been a bit banged up on that offensive side of the ball, uh, on the offensive line, at receiver, at tight end. Um uh, so we'll just you know uh, it's one of those one of those situations where uh, if they've got their full complement of players you know and they can put it together, they can be a really really solid offense they are you know top 50 which which could certainly be better but um for a unit coming in with as many questions as they had and and as many you know moving pieces transfers coming in um I think if you, you know ask florida fans if if they were going to rank top 50 in team performance through the first 4 weeks of the season would they take it they they probably would say yes and then you know defensively they've been a really really solid team they've been one of the most improved defenses in the country it's been it's been a while uh you know 2019 was the last good florida defense and and this year's team is not quite there they were 6th in defensive team performance in 2019 well, they're 16th now, top 20 against the run, 33rd passing. Um, And, you know, they're facing a Kentucky team, which is somewhat similar on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they have talented players. They have playmakers. They don't always mesh together, you know, at at the same time. Uh, Kentucky is 34th in offensive team performance. Uh, Devin Leary, it seems like, is you know having having uh, some some productive uh, performances so far, but hasn't you know really stood out to me as as doing anything spectacular. I mean he's one thing he's he's tossed five interceptions, which is a little bit of a uh, an issue. Um, you know he's been productive, as has uh, feasted really on weak opposition, similar to to Graham Mertz. Went for 299 yards and four touchdowns against Eastern Kentucky, 315 yards uh, and 12.6 yards per pass attempt with three touchdowns against Akron. Um, but again, that Eastern Kentucky game, you know, kind of similar to talking about Florida and, and last week's game against Charlotte. You know, they just they weren't really that impressive. They let Eastern Kentucky hang around, and in fact, I think EKU actually was leading in the second half, if if memory serves. But um, you know, they've got a strong running game. They've got Ray Davis, who um, has really been productive so far this year. They've gotten big plays and, and productivity from each of their top three wide receivers. It seems like week to week, uh, you know, who's going to step up and, and be the guy. First few weeks, Tavion Robinson really looked like he had uh, you know, become the player that a lot of us expected he would be when he transferred in last year. Uh, when he was sort of overshadowed by then the true freshman, you know, Dane Key and, and Barry and Brown. Well, you know, we, we saw uh, both of those guys step forth and, and have, uh, you know, some big moments as well, specifically uh, you know, Brown last week went for over a hundred four catches. So this, this Kentucky team is solid. They are um, uh, going to be, you know tough to beat on both sides of the ball and with them you know getting this game at home and, and only favored by 3 uh, i i guess you know it's it's uh, understandable they're they're rightly favored i think but I, I don't know that I'm as confident as our numbers are, you know, our team strength projection has Kentucky favored by nine talent edge has Kentucky favored by nearly seven and the stats only model has it at nearly six. So all of those are, you know, right there at a, a touchdown or more just about that. That's a different type of game to me than one that, you know, is projected to be decided by a field goal. It that, that, that feels different. And when I look at it on paper, it feels different. And, you know, looking at the team profiles and thinking about how these teams have played when I've got an an opportunity to watch them, they don't, they don't feel seven points different if, if that makes sense. So uh, this is a situation where maybe the numbers are, are seeing something that uh, my eyes aren't necessarily and, and sending a signal that Kentucky is clearly you know, a, a better, more solid, more well-rounded team. Um, but this seems also like the sort of game that, uh, it, it's, you know, Florida's going to have a chance to win, I think. And so, uh, this game should be close. Will Kentucky, uh, you know, should be a one score It's Just will that score be a touchdown
0: or, or a field goal, I guess. Xavier, do you have a strong pull one way or the other between Florida and Kentucky?
2: It's decided on whatever uh, transfer quarterback can come out there and play their best ball. I don't think either one has just yet. Um, I think Devin Leary has been. But I think he has also, in a lot of respects, played like one half of football here and there. Uh, He hasn't been efficient. I mean, I'm not a big QBR guy, but he's got a 49 QBR. That would rank him 83rd in college football. Like, he hasn't necessarily, you know, set the world alight in um, his time in Kentucky so far. And, and what's been so unimpressive about it is the fact that they've played nobody to this point. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, sorry, Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, and Vanderbilt. But you can't play like that if, you, if you're if you going to expect to continue to win in the SEC this year. And, and even with the SEC, and I've admitted this to, to several people, even with the SEC being in, in a down year, he can't play like this if he expects to continue to win. Um, they're gonna get smacked in the face by a defense this year, this week, um, in, in Florida that is much improved, flying around, playing like the Florida that used to give me nightmares as a kid, like that. That's they're starting to get back to that. Um, but he's gonna have to improve this week. Like one touchdown, two interceptions last week. Like he had against Vanderbilt, ain't gonna cut it against this Florida team. On the flip side, Graham Mertz and the way he's played up until this time this year, ain't gonna cut it either. Um, he's got to be a little bit better. And more and more importantly for him, he's got to be more dynamic. I understand we don't like the kids game managers anymore because, you know, AJ McCarron won national championships as well. Whatever grammar to this point has been a game manager, if anything else. Um, and I need him to be more than that in this game and they're going to win. Right. I understand you were able to beat a Tennessee team with him throwing for only 166 yards. It's not going to continue to be something you can do to win games in this conference week in and week out. Um, you know, people are going to just pack the box. As good as Trevor Etienne is, and as good as that offensive line has been at times, they're just going to pack the box and be like Graham Vitas, and it's going to look like he did at uh at Wisconsin all over again, trying to play against you know eight you know packed eight man boxes, playing against man and not being effective enough to win his team ball game. So one of these transfer QBs got to turn the corner this week, and I think. Uh, For me, I put my money on Devin Leary just because I think he's been a little bit more dynamic in some of his matchups this year. Um, Graham merch has four touchdowns in four games. Like this guy is really not doing much in the passing game whatsoever. And I'm also not too sold on that, on that Florida offensive line just yet um, in the passing game, you know, uh, Kentucky Graham merch has been sacked four times. Devin Leary has been sacked, was sacked five times against Utah by himself. So I think, for me, that offensive line for Florida has to is going to have to show up in pass pro this week for them to win that game. I'm not entirely sure that they will. Um, I also think that as good as Florida's defense has been, I also think that they've been blessed to kind of play some – middling offenses would be rude but outside of really Tennessee, but let's be honest with ourselves. Utah's offense was nothing to be to, to cough at. I think Tennessee, in my opinion, completely went away from their game plan against Florida. Um and, and didn't do and didn't play the game that I know that they can play, and I think you know, like Nick said, Charlotte is Charlotte, and they weren't all too impressive in that matchup either. So, give me Kentucky this week. I think it's going to be close. I think the difference for me is one, it's in, it's at Kentucky, um, and two, I think Devin Leary has been just a little bit more dynamic than than Graham Mertz uh, up to this point this season. Um, in my opinion, these teams, these two teams, have been this up until this point have been mirror copies, uh, mirror images of one another as far as the impressiveness category um, in their ball games. But at the end of the day, one of these teams is going to have to win, and I'm going to lean towards the Wildcats.
0: All right, let's uh, stick in the SEC. Let's go Texas A&M at Arkansas. Here, the Aggies are six and a half point road favorites. Fifty four and a half is total. I don't know if the is this adjusted line after we saw Wiegman is down the year and it's going to be max johnson uh, but max johnson is one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the nation and he was a backup so uh coming in uh to start for the aggies isn't a uh shouldn't adjust the line too much i don't think because wickman is just okay as a qb anyway i would say Uh, but how do we how do we feel about this game do you think that the razorbacks can pull this off at home here nick So the
1: six and a half is what we uh, released on Tuesday, as we always do when we publish these in the campus to Canton discord and the C2C winning edge tier. Um, Just looking at it now, again, we always use Vegas insider consensus lines. Um, It's still six and a half. So I'm not sure if there was any up or down between uh, then, but I mean, you bring up a a great point about Max Johnson being as experienced as he is. Uh, their individual player ratings and our our VGR numbers, um, they're basically the same player. So it, the the only real hit to uh, the Texas A&M projection from when we uh, posted this on Tuesday um, was is at the depth uh, of that. DK took the hook out. By the way, ah, that's the only difference. So it's six. Um, but yeah, you know Max Johnson. Uh, video game rating is is in an eighty nine. I mean, he's been a starter. <laughs> you know, started seventeen games in his career. Uh, has played in in uh, some very important uh, games and and this it is uh, did want to note this is a neutral site they they play this in uh, uh, that the Cowboy Stadium. Um, but yeah, the the Wegman uh, injury is is definitely worth noting he was off to a, a pretty strong start this year. And even though, I mean, Max Johnson uh, looked pretty good, uh, you know, last week when when he was able to come in, looked, you know, he's not going to be rattled, not, not uh, going to, uh, you know, let the, the moment overwhelm him. But uh, was 7 of, seven of 11, uh, two touchdowns, threw for 11.2 yards per, per pass attempt, uh, last week, I mean, those are about as good of numbers as as you can hope for so far this season. He's looked uh really good in, you know, some mop-up time, also played against New Mexico and and ULM. Um, but you know, Wegman had had uh really gotten off to a, a decent start and looked like Texas AM was going to be able to sort of take that next step offensively that we sort of uh, you know, we're, we're waiting on. Um, but he went for, you know, had over 330 passing yards twice, had double digit yards for pass attempt twice, had five touchdowns through the air in that week one blowout of New Mexico. Um, understandably, you know, struggled a, a bit against Miami, two picks only 6.3 yards per pass attempt last week, didn't get off to a great start, but uh, I, I do think that he will be, missed, but I do think that, um, you know, Texas A&M having Johnson, there's, there's not going to be any reason to, to significantly downgrade Texas A&M moving forward. But, uh, A&M so far this year is playing like a top 20 team. Um, they're top 20 in our power rankings. They are 14th in overall team performance, uh, top 15 offensive, uh, so far this year, Evan Stewart has looked great. Um, Good to see Anaya Smith back and healthy. We should get Noah Thomas back uh this week. He unfortunately had a, a tragic situation in his family. Uh did not play last week, but um believe that that he's going to give it a go uh this week. Um then he's you know had a had a really strong start to the season as well. There have been, you know, wide receivers, it seems like one each week, kind of like what we were talking about with Kentucky, uh, where one of those guys steps up and and you know, makes things happen. Uh, last week, Jade Walker, the the transfer, um, had a, a really big game. So um, this 6A&M team is better. Uh, that Miami loss, even though it was certainly a disappointment, as we discussed heading into it, Miami has, you know, at least the way we calculate it, uh, the most talented defense in the country. So nothing really to uh, sneeze at, especially when they put up you know, 35 or, or whatever it was um, in that game. Uh, so Texas a I, I do think 33, lost that game, 48-33. Um, uh, Texas a and I, I think, is rightly favored. Um, Arkansas has been, you know, not, uh, they're, they're still on the cusp of top 25 as far as our power rankings go, but they haven't played like a top 25 team. You know, I mentioned, 6 AM, top 20 team. They're playing like it, really playing like a top 15 team. Arkansas, top 30 team, but they're playing more like a top 50 team. They're 43rd in overall team performance. Uh, they're 30th in, in offensive team performance, and that's without Raheem Sanders for a good chunk of the, the season to date. It does sound like he is trending toward playing, was has been getting reps with the number one offense uh, this week. Um, you know, KJ Jefferson hasn't, hasn't been super productive so far. Um, Luke has the true freshman tight end is off to a, a great start this season. Looks like a freshman All-American, uh, but that offense as a whole, you know, they've, they've missed Sanders. They've had some, um, uh, just haven't looked as, as smooth as you would hope. Uh, And and then Arkansas has struggled a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. They're 63rd in defensive team performance. They're 72nd against the pass, 49th against the run. Um, And, you know, they're coming in on a a two-game losing streak. They were pretty big favorites against BYU, Uh, were not able to take care of business there, put up a really strong effort against LSU, but um, could not, you know, find a way to, to finish it off and, and get that win. So, uh, this is a pretty big game, I think for Arkansas, it's in the the middle of just a, a gauntlet of sec play. Um, you know, had to go to LSU last week, the neutral site this week have to go to Oxford next week, have to go to Tuscaloosa after that, and then host Mississippi state. So, um, this this really is is one where if arkansas is going to have a, a chance to uh you know secure a, a bull bid <laughs> quite honestly um or have any shot at at you know some of the maybe loftier goals that they had coming into the season this is sort of a must win for them um our projection is uh you know has has Texas A&M favored. Has them favored by right around six. So um, do have Arkansas uh, covering. The talent edge is much closer. It's about one and a half. Texas A&M has the uh, uh, one and a half point uh, edge there in in talent. And then the stats only model likes the Aggies quite a bit more. It is more impressed with what Texas A&M has put on the the field so far this year. Uh, the Aggies would be favored by about eight and a half in the PRISM model. So um, I, because the the game I, I feel like is so important to Arkansas, kind of like what we saw last week against LSU, I think we will see their best effort. I think getting Raheem Sanders back hopefully will, will help give a little bit of a boost on that end. Um, but, you know, even shorthanded, uh, Texas A&M is the the you know has been the better team so far this year is the more talented team um, playing a little bit closer to home so you know I, I understand why they're favored but this is a winnable game for Arkansas and and to get you know to to avoid a real potential just uh, digging a, a giant giant hole in the middle of the season. Um, this is a game that Arkansas, I think, really, really needs to win where things could kind of spiral out of control for them.
0: Xavier, what do you think about uh, the Aggies and the Razorbacks here? Who do you have? And I didn't realize this at the neutral site, uh, at the Jared Dome. Uh, uh, who do you think comes away with this one?
2: I give it to A M. and uh, I understand that they lost Connor Waidman for the year. Um, I understand that, you know, but, but Max Johnson's won games. He's won big games. If I'm not mistaken, he was – the quarterback that beat Bama a couple years ago, like, or you know, this is not a kid who doesn't understand how to win big games when he needs to, or, or you know, keep a season afloat in, in what he'll have to do this year. And on top of that, I'm, I'm pretty sure Arkansas emptied the tank last week against, um, against LSU, and it didn't work. I, I just there feels like a disconnect right now with Arkansas's offense and their defense. Their defense shows up, their offense doesn't. Their offense shows up, their defense doesn't. It just, at, at this, like, we can't put up 30 points in a game and our our defense plays as poor as it did last week. Um, you know, Jaden Daniels was, he, he had nine incompletions, and I think four of them were probably on the receiver um, and watching the game back. Like, the, the, the defense has not been good enough at Arkansas for a while now, um, and, and K.J. Jefferson, for as dynamic as he is, I feel like understands his defense isn't good enough and presses way too much. Um, You know, I feel like a couple of the interceptions last week, I was just like, you didn't have to do that. Like, just keep the drive going, kid. You didn't have to make that kind of a play. Um, You can't win the play in one drive. So I, I think A&M has shown me more thus far. Um, You know, they showed me the ability to, especially last week, their defense was able to hunker down, and I thought that was impressive from them. I also understand they were playing Auburn, not the most dynamic offense in the country at all, but their defense understands. Look, we got to hold teams under three scores, or we got to give up as much as three scores. I think they're talented enough to hold that regimen against a team like Arkansas, uh, where they're going to be able. Where, where I think if you can, you know, you can keep KJ Jefferson in the pocket, you cannot, you can keep him from being an athlete on you know third and medium, third and shorts. You got a really good chance. And remember, I mean, look, this was a game that last year really got thrown on its head through, due to a 99-yard Cooper score. You know, so this game is weird. This game is very, very weird. Um, so, but give me give me, uh, A&M in this one. I think they continue on. Uh, they go to 4-1. and one. And if you're Arkansas, if you lose this week's game, I mean, I don't like to say anybody's season is over five weeks into the year, but season maybe be over um, for, for the grand scheme of things. Like, that would give you two SEC losses, and then you've got ranked Mississippi and Alabama back-to-back on the road. Tough. <laughs> it's going to be Yeah. You need they this need one. this one. Is a, yeah. a must-win for them. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's tough to say in week five, but it is the truth. Uh, let's go to Clemson on the road at Syracuse. The, uh, the line here is Clemson by six and a half. 50, 52 and a half is the total. Uh, look, I've seen a lot of people taking Syracuse straight up in this game, Nick. So mm. – uh, how do you feel about this one? How do you think it plays out? And did have we seen enough from the offensive Clemson to start to trust them?
1: Uh, you know, good. <laughs> it's a good question. Um, our numbers have been pretty high on Clemson all year. Um, this time last week, we were talking about how we have had Clemson favored against Florida state, uh, that ended up not working out for us. It looked pretty good early on looked actually, you know, pretty decent until, uh, overtime, but um, couldn't get it done. And you know, offense has been a bit of an issue. Uh, passing offense, in particular, they have struggled in uh, our team performance numbers. They're 77th and passing offense. Um, they rank one hundred and third in yards per pass attempt against FBS opponents. Um, they have had much more success running the ball I and mean, with Will Shipley and Phil Maffa, you know pretty solid one two combo there. Um, but uh, you know, couldn't couldn't get it done last week. This is still a very, very talented team. They rank sixth in overall roster strength. They are eleventh on offense, number two defensively in roster strength. They played like a top fifteen defense. But, uh, you know, they have obviously been beatable this year. Lost to Duke did not look good for large portions of that game. uh, And then obviously came up short last week against Florida State. In the postgame win expectancy, at least the the numbers according to uh, collegefootballdata.com, Clemson had a 77% chance of, of winning that game if they were to to play it again and and put up the same numbers. So um, that is perhaps a, a, you know, decent sign. Um, But, you know, how are you going to respond to uh, the second loss of the season being 0-2 in ACC play uh, and then going on the road? And Syracuse is still a, a tough place to win from time to time. The Syracuse team did start out slow last week, but Uh, put it together. Garrett Schrader has been pretty good so far this year. Syracuse is a solid team, 32nd overall in our power rankings, number 13 in uh, overall team performance, top 25 on offense, top 20 on defense. Um, But I just don't know if there are enough playmakers for Syracuse. I think they've missed Arana Gatz in the second. He's out for the season. Uh, sort of that tight end slot hybrid, uh, you know, the the big wide receiver that uh, has gone through and and made a lot of plays for them. So now they're really leaning on uh, LaQuint Allen at running back and, and Garrett Schrader. And um, I'm just not I don't know. I'm not sure they're going to be able to score enough on this. This what really has been a, a legitimately very good Clemson defense. Um so this game i think will be uh, somewhat i mean low scoring potentially two top 20 defenses uh going after one another we are almost right on the, the total uh for the, the Vegas insiders uh consensus but we are technically under but uh final score projections 29 23 wouldn't shock me at all if it was more of a you know 24 21 um, but I do think that this is a game that Clemson probably should win, still have uh, by far the most talent. They, they have almost a two-touchdown talent edge. Uh, but the stats-only model, you know, I understand why people would think that this is a really, really good spot for Syracuse because in that one, Clemson's favored by less than a single point. So um, our projections are a little all over the place, but two out of the three, and the two I like the most, the team strength uh, model and the, the
0: prism model, uh, have Clemson winning but not covering? uh Xavier, your thoughts here? I mean, I don't know which way to go. Are you, are you taking Syracuse or are you going with Clemson here? I'll go Clemson
2: here. I, I think that last week they proved to me that they were ready to, at the very least, get back to a lot of what, what I thought they needed to get back to after last after the last couple of years. I thought Cade looked better last week. Um, you know. Take away obviously a, a massive scoop and score. Clemson was in control for the you know ninety five percent of that ball game. Um, hell, they even had a chance to win at the end if it wasn't for a missed field goal. Like when watching last week's game, it felt like they had figured out a rhythm not only on the offensive side of the ball but on the defensive side of the ball. They had Jordan Travis just well without well out of his sights. The running game for Florida State was completely locked out. They ran. Trey Benson led all uh, rushers with twenty five yards. The defense looked like they had figured out what their calling card might have been. And it, it felt like you realized, well, we have one of the best or have a top, you know, 30, top 25, you know, secondary in the country. Let's pack the, bo- let's pack the box with seven. Let Barry Carter and, J- and, J- and Jeremiah Trotter run around. and Let eight Wiggins, Andrew Makuba, and all those guys on the back end do their job. And they did it excellently. Um, I think this week I understand that Syracuse has been on somewhat of a roll, um, but I think Cade was more comfortable last week. Um, I thought, and I, and now I will say Syracuse has been a bit of a bogey space for, um, for them, but the one thing I will say is I feel like the way that Gary Strader is playing isn't sustainable, <laughs> just to be honest with you. Uh, that kid is, like, one big hit from leaving the pocket to being out for the rest of the year, like, He's extremely dynamic. But brother, slide. Like, please. <laughs> I want to see you get to a four twelve? And I feel like, you know, and then last year where we, you know, I got on the podcast right after they, they lost to Clemson last year, and I was like, Syracuse was in control for this that entire game. I think Syracuse knows – I'm not, sorry, I think Clemson knows that and will prepare for a similar style. Um, Syracuse is going to run the football. They're going to be a balanced unit. That's how they play out there. Uh, um, but I think Clemson has the horses or is at least showing that they have some of the horses again to compete at this higher level. Um, they ran the ball effectively. Uh, Will Shipley was better. Phil Moffa was better. Everybody just took a step up. Now that might've been because you're playing at home against a top three team in the country and you know, you want to beat them. You want to stay in the, ACC, in the ACC title race, all of that. Do we see them continue that this week where it looks like both of those things are, are now not possible? We'll see. But I do think Clemson showed that that they have the talent to compete at that level, just not the talent to maybe finish. So give me Clemson in this matchup. I think, you know, Garrett Schrader is a fun watch. Don't get me wrong. Their offense is an extremely fun watch. I will say this, though. I'm a little worried about that defense because they have played absolutely nobody of note right now offensively. And I'm concerned to see what they have to do against a genuine attack. Um, I'm not going to say Purdue um, is anybody to sniff at, to be honest.
0: All right, let's go over back to the SEC. Georgia on the road at Auburn. 15 and a half is the spread here. 46 and a half is the total. Look, we know this Auburn team isn't at their peak right now. They are trying to build back up. Uh, but Georgia does tend to, and maybe this you win two national titles in a row, you kind of get bored maybe. But I feel like they've been sleepwalking a bit through the first half and the games have been closer in the first half than they need to be. And then they turn it on in the second half. That's dangerous against any sec team outside of Andy, maybe. But uh, I think that you can't really do that in the sec, even when Auburn isn't at their peak. So Nick, uh, I mean, is this just Georgia easy and I'm overthinking it, or do you think maybe Auburn has a chance to cover this because they're at home and Georgia hasn't been uh, showing up of playing their best football at kickoff
1: well so the the last point is is i think the most important and we just haven't seen georgia so far look like a dominant team um they played you know as anybody has uh, will have noted i'm sure a, a pretty weak uh schedule non-conference wise south carolina they were a big favorite and uh struggled and and uh you know didn't didn't ever really pull away, but I was going to say didn't pull away till the second half. Um, and, you know, th- this Auburn team talent-wise is is uh, in the ballpark, I think, with South Carolina. This game is on the road. It's not a very far uh, road trip, but it will be the first time this season that Georgia has played away from home. Um, Auburn itself hasn't necessarily uh, put together its best performance, I don't think. Um, you know, they're, they're last week in particular, um, just never, never got going. Uh, the running game has been, uh, you know, they've, they've split the, the load a little bit more than I expected, you know, with Jerk was Hunter not being available in in week one, um, understand that, you know, it, it was understandable, I, I suppose, uh, that he didn't come back in and just become a workhorse. Uh, but especially, you know, with uh, Demari Alston going down last week with a, a shoulder injury, it sounds like he's going to be out for a while. I think for Auburn to to give itself the best chance to win moving forward, not just this week is really would, would make sense. in in my opinion, uh, to feature Jack was Hunter a little bit more and, and, you know, see if he can carry the, uh, uh, you know, carry a, a much heavier workload um, for that offense and, and, you know, help be a little more consistent moving this change because uh, this, you know, passing, the passing numbers has not been good. They're 111th and, Passing offensive team performance—they're 118th in yards per pass attempt. Um, I mean, they're they're close to triple digits in just yards per play in general. So the offense has is, is really really been struggling. They're 70th in offensive team performance overall. The defense has been much better. Has kept them, uh, you know, competitive. Kept them in that Texas A&M game into the second half. Uh, but they're 40th in defensive team performance—they are top 20 against the pass. Um, but, you know, are susceptible in, in the run game. They're 72nd against the run in defensive team performance. Georgia's been really, really banged up. The running back position specifically has been really hit hard, but Dajan Edwards has come in and, and been a productive player. Carson Beck has been quite solid. Um, you know, Brock Bowers, is, I, I believe, has been playing at less than 100%, but uh, we did get to see him. Uh, finally, put together uh, you know really productive game last week. So hopefully he is trending in the right direction. Uh, but George has been banged up on defense too. You know, and, and Michael Williams missed last week, I believe, with an illness. Um, but uh, Javon Bullard, the uh, nickelback, has been out for a while, and you know they've just had some spillover from some injury issues in fall camp. And as you said before, just have not quite looked like that dominant, you know, Georgia team that we've seen the last couple of seasons. They are now sixth in our overall power rankings. That seems certainly too low. I understand why uh, you know, for some folks they're still the team to beat in the national championship race. Um, and perhaps they'll look a little bit more like, you know, that national championship caliber team as early as this week. You know, maybe they go and, and put it all together uh you know, at this game at Auburn. Um, But my, my eyes don't necessarily, uh, you know, what I've seen hasn't quite uh, led me to believe that that that's going to be the case, at least early. I could see this being a, you know, kind of a sloppy first half, really close. Uh, Maybe Auburn finds a way to, to, uh, you know, put together a big play and, and take an early lead, but that Georgia, should win this game and, and might even pull away in the second half. But, um, you know, at least the way our projections go, kind of similar to to where my mind is, I guess, um, don't quite see this as as Georgia being able to go on the road and, and cover 15 and a half. We've got Georgia favored by a little less than 12 in our team strength uh, model. The talent edge is closer to a touchdown, which is somewhat understandable. Uh but uh, the the prism model, the stats only model, um, is very, very close to the odds makers, but still comes up short of the 15 and a half. So uh, this certainly could be the game where, you know, we we do finally see that that dominant Georgia uh, team, but uh, at least based on what we've seen so far. And I do think that Auburn, you know, as much of a transition as they are in and as as many struggles as they've had throwing the football specifically, but on offense as a whole. Um, they still are talented enough, I think, to, to make this a difficult spot for Georgia on the road, but, um, probably not ready to put Georgia on, on upset alert. Don't think that Auburn's quite there yet. Um, but I'm not sure Georgia's going to be able to, to, you know, pull away and
0: end up with a a three score margin, you know, by the end of the game. Xavier, is this Georgia in a walk or is this, uh, is this the game that they've been waiting to play and get up for and beat Auburn into the dirt or is this another hey we don't have to take Auburn seriously this isn't one of this isn't a hard game for us so maybe we see it pretty tight in the first half and then see them yeah. take off in the second half
2: so I, I think people forget oftentimes and i'm not saying nick has but that Kirby Smart went to went to Georgia because seemingly every time we play Auburn and i mean this in, in all sincerity we try to beat the absolute snot out of Auburn every single time. They try to embarrass Auburn. And more than more than anybody else on the schedule, more than Florida, more than Tennessee. Go back and watch the last like three or four years of Georgia versus Auburn football. There is like a and I know it's the deep south, though. This rivalry, all the pat I get it. We beat them 42 to 10 last year. It's it, this is not a game that Kirby takes lightly. I always say, and, you know, this is uh, this always makes me laugh a little bit, but this is the game that essentially Auburn asked for and begged and pleaded for. I don't know if you guys remember, but Auburn a couple years ago said that they they don't want to play Georgia before they have to play Bama in the Iron Bowl. This is the game that it ended up becoming now. And I think ever since then, Kirby took that personal, and he's like, all right, cool. You wanted to move us to early October or late September? Cool, we're going to beat the brakes out of you now then too, since you didn't want us in November like you used to have us. Uh, So... I think this is the get right game. I think Georgia, in watching their game last week against UAB, what I will say is it, as as it wasn't fully impressive, there's so much meat left on the bone from this offense. Arian Smith and Carson Beck have still not gone on the, same pay, on the same page. Nick, you alluded to it. The health has obviously been an issue in some respects. Uh, but Carson just has not necessarily been on the same page with his receivers. I think this is the week that it happens. I think realistically you're going to look at an offense that has taken a while to get used to Carson Beck, has taken a while to, you know, Stetson's not there anymore. The offensive line has had to get used to Carson Beck being a little bit more sedentary in the pocket than Stetson Bennett, who was a little bit more mobile. Uh, You know, Carson Beck throws bullets. Stetson Bennett was a little bit, you know, softer with the throwing, you know, was able to put a little more touch on the ball. I think all of those things are starting to get ironed out, and this is the game that they put it on full display. And then you watch the Georgia team win by three or four scores this week, and everybody's like, oh there's a Georgia football team that we expected from week one. Um, So give me Georgia big and not necessarily because I, I, I'm disrespecting Auburn in any respect, even though I think Peyton Thorne is Peyton Thorne. Um, Give me because they haven't necessarily put it all together for four quarters. And I think this is the game that Kirby's like bump us only having seven points after the first quarter. Let's go kill a team. Get everybody off of our backs and win a game in the SEC because we got a big one coming
0: up next week against Kentucky. All right. Let's go to the game of the week, obviously, ranked <laughs> on ranked here. Uh, Kansas going into Austin against my Longhorns. The Texas Longhorns are a 17 point home favorite, 63.5 is the total in this game. Uh, Thor and I have been going back and forth on Twitter a little bit. Uh, He, he had a horns down tweet that he sent and I just sent him back a Dwight uh, gift that said, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. I love the Texas speed bump Baylor on the way out of the big 12. I think they could possibly do it against Kansas here as well. So, uh, but Kansas has been playing. They've been playing very well on offense. Um, They let Nevada, you know, throw, throw a little bit on them, which I did not like, but um, (laughs) how do you see this game? Uh, playing out. Nick, do you like the Longhorns and lay a bunch of points at home because they look fierce now? Or is this, hey, Texas Texas always makes me nervous because they seem to let some of these teams back in or let them slow them down. I mean, even Wyoming, they didn't score a lot until the fourth quarter. So uh, how do you see this game going? Uh Well, so personally, I was a little surprised
1: that... Uh, at least when we officially publish it, but the, the line was 17 <laughs> that that seems high. And I know that, you know, this Texas team is obviously very, very good. They are still top three in the polls, right? Um, I don't do a very good job of looking at the polls anymore, but uh, you know, they're, they're higher in the good polls time. even than our power rankings. And it seemed like for a while that, that we were on the high side with Texas being a top 10 team, but um I was still a bit surprised, you know, 17 just feels that's a big number, you know, in a in a in a conference game against a ranked opponent. I know it's it's Kansas. Um, but as you said, Kansas has played really really well on the offensive side of the ball. They're top 10 in team performance on offense, they're 7th overall. They are 8th in passing offensive team performance, they're top 20 in rushing team performance. Devin Neal has been Excellent so far this year. Uh, Jalen Daniels, at least last week, looked back and, and healthy. Um, good to see him, uh, you know, taking care of business in, in the running game. Um, and, you know, this this Kansas team, uh, the the defensive numbers don't look great. They are, you know, middle of the pack, right? They're 66th in defensive team performance overall, 56th against the pass, 75th against the run but that is a significant improvement for Kansas uh not only you know last year but but of course you know for for a while this is the the highest uh rating as far as their defensive team performance by 25 spots at least um for us on record basically so um you know since we, since we've been doing this Kansas has been finishing 90th or worse, basically, in, in uh, defensive team performance. So middle of the pack is, is uh, a real, real positive sign. But they are, of course, playing a Texas offense that, uh, with the exception of a little bit of a, a slow uh, start against Wyoming, has been uh, very, very good. I mean, they're 28th in offensive team performance, 15th passing Uh, however the rushing you know the the efficiency numbers are uh not maybe quite as high as they could be there they're they're 52nd in rushing offensive team performance um they've had some injuries at that position cj baxter's been a little bit limited but jonathan brooks has has really uh carried that that uh, portion of the offense um and and you know Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy and Adani Mitchell, uh, just Havion Sanders has been, you know, arguably the best tight end in the country so far this year, especially from a receiving standpoint. So, um, you know, there are no weak spots on the take the uh, the Texas uh, offensive depth chart. And then the defense, you know, talk about a defense that's come uh, along. I mean, last year they were solid, uh, but for years when we've been doing the show, one of the biggest, areas of concern was, you know, Texas tackling and, and just defense as a whole. And, you know, they've improved even from last year's top 20 uh, defensive team performance to where they're currently fifth in, uh, in in that number for us, top 20, both against the pass and the run. So, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's strength versus strength that the Texas offense does have an edge against the Kansas defense, as much improvement as that unit has shown. For the Jayhawks, but um this, that Kansas offense is, is just really, really difficult to game plan for really difficult to hold and check for an entire game. So yes, I understand Texas being favored. I understand them being favored, I guess, even by double digits, but you know, 17 just, just seems like a lot. And our, our stats model gets there. The prism model actually has a, a Texas favored by 17 and a half. Uh, but our other two have this, you know, as being projected under two touchdowns. So I think me personally, I think Kansas is going to be able to to hang close enough in this one. Um, but maybe this is just, you know, maybe Texas just finally is uh proven to be one of the elite teams in college football and and this is the kind of game that an elite team would win by three scores. So uh I, I understand it wouldn't shock me if it happens, but I do think Kansas is going to be able to to make things
0: interesting in the second half and, and uh, hopefully keep it close into the fourth quarter. Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that uh, Texas wins in a walk here? Do you think that Kansas makes us close? We've seen Kansas go into Texas and win. I was at that game, that was of <laughs> course, Casey Thompson was the QB at that point. Bijan right. got hurt. I'm not making excuses because the defense gave up too many points, but I do think that this is a different Texas team that they're walking in to face in Austin. Now, I, I watch a little bit of Kansas. I watch all of Texas, and I just think this is going to be a Texas rollover win. I don't think Kansas has much of a shot here, but they're not bad. They're not a bad team. They're not the Kansas of old. I just think Texas is really good. What are your thoughts?
2: I think Texas should roll. Uh, that 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 is for sure. I think Texas should roll in this game pretty pretty handedly. The one thing I will say though is, does Texas overlook this game with? oklahoma on the horizon uh this is remember we got to talk about this i have to say this a couple times here we're talking about 17 18 19 and 20 year olds not everybody has a 25 year old like we did with that's a bit like sometimes (laughs) sometimes you've got to realize these are kids and you know kansas coming into town it helps that they have a rank number next to them it always helps but you know you've got the biggest game in, in the you know in the midwest for a lot of people and I'm not considering Ohio and in this conversation, I'm just saying Oklahoma, Texas, uh, you know, next week or in in, in 10 days. So you really got to understand that, you know, this could very well be a trap game for them. They come out slow. Uh, they're going to, you know, you know, be in for a rude awakening really quickly. Um, And that's really the concern that I have for Texas in this game is that, Hey, we went to Tuscaloosa and we beat Alabama. We, you know, beat the doors off of Baylor in what many people consider the trap game. And I'm just like, all right, don't 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 get to smelling yourself too fast. And then Kansas come in there and have y'all in a complete in a you know in a nail biter in the fourth quarter with you guys, you know, down by down by a field goal or being a tie ball game. And I don't expect that. I think this Texas team has shown the the toughness and the the consistency to be able to play at a high level consistently. Uh, but I also remember the rice game earlier this year where I'm just like, hey, you guys wanna show up offensively? Like I get that it's rice, but hey man, Figure it out. So I expect Texas to walk would not be surprised if Kansas was sitting there down by a touchdown entering the fourth quarter though. I'll be hundred percent honest with you.
0: All right, let's I mean, so Texas by 50, everybody knows that. Uh, LSU. Is on the road against all miss here, and they are two and a half point road favorite, 65 and a half is the total here, Nick. Uh I mean Mississippi, a little bit embarrassing last week. Uh LSU, I just don't know. You know, uh, I think they're real good, but every time I think Jaden Daniels or LSU is really good, they seem to prove to me that they're not. So <laughs> I'm kinda of, I'm I'm holding my opinion on LSU until um uh, probably week. 11 or 10. I don't know. I just can't figure them out. Uh, What are your thoughts here? Do you think LSU can win this game on the road? Or do you think Ole Miss bounces back? Uh, Well, so uh, my, my,
1: what do I think? And compare that to Ah. the numbers. They, they don't necessarily line up uh, in this. Now, LSU and Ole Miss are, are two teams that our numbers have, have, uh, uh, given some strong, you know, leans one way or the other for for LSU, we've been on the low side, uh, you know, compared to odds makers, compared to the market for Ole Miss, we've been on the high side. This time last week, we were talking about how uh, our projection had the game against Alabama as basically a coin flip. Uh, that obviously turned out to be wrong. LSU did not look dominant last week, but we have seen this LSU team. Um, you know, like you said, one week, they look great. Uh, that Mississippi State game on the road, they they took care of business from the, you know, from the opening kickoff. Um, our projections have Ole Miss favored outright, and by more than a field goal in all three uh, projection models. That Worries me a little bit because obviously, you know, last week we were too high on Ole Miss. There have been some weeks where we've been too low on LSU. I'm a little bit nervous that that uh, that's still the case, but, you know, LSU right now, team performance-wise, they rank 38th overall. They are fifth on offense and have been really, really good, uh, of course, you know, on that side of the football, but Defensively, they've struggled at times, and they've been a little bit shorthanded. They've been without multiple starters on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, They are going to get one back in Omar Spates, the uh, starting linebacker. Um, Sounds like he is going to be good to go after missing uh, at least last week. It might have been two games uh, at this point. Um, But perhaps... That'll help give the the unit a, a boost that it needs after you know coming in with a team performance rating of uh, a ranking of 95th, 97th against the pass, 98th against the run. If you look at individual stats, you know LSU does not stack up very well in points per drive. Uh, they're 101st defensively. There uh, yards per pass attempt, they're 92nd. Success rate, 103rd. Uh, projected uh, points added. Uh, per play. They're 123rd. Um, So, you know, that, that to me uh, looks like a a potential for an Ole Miss team that of course ranks really, really high in uh, pace numbers. They are, you know, top 12 as far as uh, time between snaps. And we've seen some good things out of you know, quarterback Jackson Dart. There have been a lot of injuries around him. Quinshon Judkins was banged up, uh, has played in every game, but has not quite looked like, you know, the the top running back in the country, like many people thought he would be coming in off of uh, such an excellent freshman season. Um, Trey Harris exploded onto the scene in Week One, uh, has been banged up since. Caden Prescorn has been, uh, you know, missed the first three games of the season, played last week, but sounds like both he and Harris have been limited in practice so far this week. Uh, We did get to see Zachary Franklin, the transfer from UTSA for the first time last week, but uh, obviously he had been out with an injury leading up to that. So, you know, this Ole Miss team, which does rank 21st in offensive team performance uh, has been better, you know, throwing the football than they have been running it so far this year. They're 12th passing and and 70th rushing in team performance. Um, But, you know, have not, I think, played really to the full level of their ability. It would be nice to see a fully healthy Ole Miss offense take on this LSU defense because, you know, it looks like a a matchup that that Ole Miss would, you know, come out uh, looking quite good. But, um, you know, that LSU offense is is Ole Miss going to be able to to find a way to stop them. Um, They've been – you know, they haven't been bad on defense. They're 39th in defensive team performance. But they have been more susceptible against the pass. They're 66th, uh, 21st against the run. But so far, you know, the most impressive uh, I have seen LSU look is when Jaden Daniels is, is throwing the ball down the field to Malik Neighbors and, and uh, Brian Thomas. So um, I do think that Ole Miss is going to have its hands full. Um there are several scenarios where you could convince me Ole Miss is, is going to be able to uh, stay in this game and, and maybe even find a way to win and, and perhaps prove our projections right. But uh, because it seems like we've been a little too high on Ole Miss, because we've been a little too low on LSU at times, my confidence level is is uh, not particularly high on this one. Because as you said, you know LSU is a difficult team to, to peg down. Um And Ole Miss can be that way sometimes too as well. So this game I think could go, really could go either way. Uh, Our projections only see it one way as as Ole Miss being, you know, favored by uh, more than a field goal. But obviously that goes against what the odds makers have in in the market right now as well.
0: Xavier, your thoughts on LSU Ole Miss? Are you, uh, which Tigers are you rolling with?
2: If LSU doesn't dog walk this Ole Miss team, I'm going to be upset. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. There is nothing, and I said this last week, oh, and he still hasn't done anything to prove me wrong on this. Jackson Dart has not taken the step that he's supposed to take for this team to be competitive. I'm sorry. He hasn't. Um, and watching the game against, I said they come again when, when they played Alabama last week. I said, it's going to be on Jackson Dart to whether or not they beat Alabama. And Jackson Dart gave me a very middling performance. Uh, what did he? you know, 20 of 35 and an interception. That's not going to cut it against these elite teams. And I said that that was their biggest Achilles heel. They can run the football for days. We know this with Jutkins, you know, even with him being banged up, they still can run the football at will if they truly, if they truly want to. Their biggest issue is when they get in passing downs, can they pass the ball to win themselves a ball game? And as even last week, the answer is still no. After a full year under Lane Kiffin system, which – for some people, I don't know why they. I understand that he has been a quarterback guru in previous times of his career. Jackson Dart ain't it, brother? That, that guy is not it right now for me. And until that changes, until I see him put together a performance where, you know, you're looking at, you know, four catch, you know, twenty three of twenty seven, three hundred and fifty yards, three touchdowns, zero to one interceptions. Against an actual uh, against a team that they are either a underdogs or b you know, this is a comparable matchup. I can't I can't pull the trigger on that yet. And so I think that LSU, even with the loss against uh, Florida State early in the year, which LSU this year for me feels a lot like Oregon did last year, which they lost early in the year, got drubbed in the first game of the season and everybody's kind of written them off. And they're just slowly going to kind of plug away at this um, until they find themselves maybe on the doorstep of, of the uh, of the SEC championship game, right? So I, I genuinely think that LSU should go in there and win this game. Um, LSU's defense, I thought, turn has been decent. Um, and I think Ole Miss's defense has been better. But offensively, I'm just not sure that Ole Miss is going to give them enough um, in this matchup to 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 you know win this ballgame. Like that's like Alabama's defense is not great this year. I, I'm going that's not even going on a limb. And they mm-hmm. held that Ole Miss offense to 10 points. And it wasn't even like a contest because at the end of the day, Alabama's offense wasn't great last week at all. They put up 24 points, but it took them all four quarters to do so. If Ole Miss wanted to take that game, they could have, but they weren't they weren't able to because Alabama understands that they can pack the box and force Jackson Dark to beat man. They're going to do the exact same thing this week against him, um, LSU is. And until Jackson Dart shows that he can torch man defenses when they pack the box, he's going to see it every single week. So show me, prove me wrong, Jackson Dart. I'm, I'm begging you at this point. Please. I've, I've been saying this for almost two years now. Prove me wrong and go out there and win a big game where you're not already the better team. So give me LSU because I do think that they right now have the better quarterback, and Jaden Daniels has – He already turned the corner last year, in my opinion, but he's just building on that this season.
0: Yeah, and I shouldn't have been so hard on him. I mean, just looking at some of his stats, he's like top 10 in turnover-worthy play percentage of, uh, you know, I think it's 160 QBs with at least 50 dropbacks. He's top, like, 10 there. He's top 30 in big-time throw percentage. He's a good QB. I shouldn't be so hard on him. And Ole Miss, I mean – You keep waiting for them to do it, and they don't. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be on the LSU side as well. Let's go to the last game to talk about here. Notre Dame on the road at Duke. Notre Dame is five-and-a-half point road favorites. 51-and-a-half is the total here. Duke's not a joke. Uh, They're very, very good, but I don't know. I feel like Notre Dame is going to come in angry and focused, and I think Riley Leonard is going to have a tough time against this defense. Nick, how do you see this one going? Uh, I haven't made up my mind yet um,
1: because I could definitely see what you said. Notre Dame come in, you know, more motivated than ever, uh, wants to make a statement, wants to, you know, put to bed all the talk that that's been going on this week with uh, you know, 10 men on the field and, and all that. Um, definitely, you know, clean up some of those issues um, will be a, a, a top priority but then also part of me could see well maybe Notre Dame you know is somewhat distraught after letting a, a top-ranked team off the hook they were embarrassed they um embarrassed meaning you know the the issues with uh not enough players on the field just just silly uh mistakes and and things that you know Are so simple that that shouldn't cost you a game or or factor in or or any of that um and then you know they go to sort of a usually fairly sleepy uh durham north carolina uh playing a team that really doesn't make those types of mistakes doesn't you know beat itself or or give teams an opportunity to uh take advantage of of those silly things um and does Notre Dame find a way to let the loss to Ohio State? You know, do, do they lose to Ohio State twice, or are they thinking about missed opportunities all week um, and not, you know, ready to to go in and beat a legitimately good Duke football team? I mean, Duke is four and zero. They've cracked into the top twenty-five in our power rankings, which is a fairly significant uh, thing. Because, you know, Duke doesn't have the roster strength numbers um, that you typically see for a top 25 team. And they've they've taken a big step in the right direction. And part of that is, you know, Riley Leonard uh, is now, you know, does have a a VGR individual player rating in the 90s, mid 90s. Um, But, you know, still, this is a, a Duke team that if you just look at raw recruiting numbers, they're, you know, in the 50s in just about every uh, positional category in you know average two four seven rating, including a couple of sixties in there, um, nothing above forty. Uh, so this is a Duke team that has played, you know, to a higher level than its talent profile suggests. They are seventeenth in overall team performance, they're fourteenth on offense, thirty first on defense, they are number nine against the pass defensively, um, and they're just a really, really tough team to beat. They don't, you know, will not have a, a huge home field advantage, um, but, you know, there are still a well-coached team, a well-prepared team. Um, and at least in, you know, a, a big moment, Notre Dame showed some evidence that they've got a little to improve upon in, in that area. Uh, I do think that Sam Hartman, you know, he versus Riley Leonard. Uh, it, it's it's close, but I think Sam Hartman does give Notre Dame a little bit of an edge there. I think certainly in terms of raw talent, Notre Dame has a big edge. They are fifth in overall roster strength. Again, looking at those you know average two four seven ratings, there are plenty of categories where Notre Dame ranks in the top ten nationally, including running back, wide receiver, defensive line, uh, offensive line but Notre Dame is relying on some young players, especially in that receiving core. Uh, we haven't, you know, they have not looked like a, a top 10 uh, group as far as the, the talent goes at, at that position, but they've run the ball decently. Well, with Autrick Estime, with, you know, Pry- uh, Payne, with uh, Jadarian price, they're deep at that position and, um, the offensive line hasn't quite played like a top 10 unit so far this year. They're 31, uh, 31st in O-line performance. Um, but they are definitely, I believe, capable of that. And, you know, they, they are a, a team that if they do come in, like you said, uh, ready to rid themselves of the Ohio State loss and, and the talk that they've dealt with over this week and really want to sort of flex their muscle and make a statement by going in and beating a good Duke team. They could win this game by double digits. I think that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Um, But, you know, I, I kind of think that uh, like our, our projection suggests this game is, is uh, there's not a big, big edge when you put every, you know, data point into the mix uh our projection is very, very close, our team strength projection to that five and a half. Uh what the, the Vegas insider consensus was when we released it uh officially. We have 5.3 basically. The Prism model has it even closer, has uh Duke is is about a three and a half point underdog. So this is a game that Notre Dame understandably is favored in, but um I do think this is a winnable game for Duke, especially if Notre Dame, you know, finds a way to to let that Ohio state loss creep into this week's preparation and and they carry that over and and don't start off strong
0: on Saturday, they could end up getting beat. Xavier, your thoughts on Notre Dame and Duke here. Do you think that, uh, you think that Notre Dame is going to come in here focused and uh, amped and ready to go or, is that Ohio State loss with 10 men on the field for the last two plays? And it's just such an emotional letdown. Are they going to let it carry over?
2: Yeah, this is one of those where I think having Marcus Freeman in year two is a big deal. Um, I think that maybe last year in year one, a, a loss like that could really set them back. Um, I think maybe I think he has the locker room better than he did last year. I think he has a better understanding of what he wants as well. Um, I, I think he'll be fine. My biggest question is: Will the offense progress on what I thought was a poor showing last week? I think they had left a ton of opportunities on the field against Ohio State team. They probably should have beat pretty handedly in the way that their offense played. In in, in retrospect, Um, on the the flip side, you've got a Duke team that I think maybe we maybe we're either we're, we're extremely overvaluing the win against Clemson, or maybe we're undervaluing their next three wins or their last three wins. Um, Either way, I'm still not entirely sold on what, you know, this Duke team is as a whole. Now I understand Riley Leonard may be the second coming of, of of Daniel Jones in a lot of ways, size, the way he's playing so far, the big time wins uh, all understood, but I want to be able to, I want to see it again. And and maybe I want to see it against more of a complete team. I think they caught, I, I know they caught us, but I think they maybe also caught Clemson by surprise in week one. Uh, that element of surprise is gone. Notre Dame's going to be prepared for this. They're going to be on the road. I think all of that makes this game a little bit harder for Duke, in my opinion. Uh, and and I'm, I'm Riley Leonard. For all the things he did well in in that in that uh, Clemson game, he's been like just cool since. Right? Only has two touchdowns. Only 778 yards through the air. Nothing overly impressive. Right. Probably just came off his best, his most impressive game against UConn, at least through the air in particular. You know, even if you look back at that Clemson game, he was, he had a 51% completion percentage in that game against the Clemson defense that once again I thought was caught by surprise a little bit, um, and whose offense just was a shell of itself that night. So give me Notre Dame here. I think they're refocused. Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame still has their entire season in front of them. They have get a ranked game this week. They get a ranked game in two weeks against USC. Um, let's see, once again, that Clemson game at the end of the year. Clemson could maybe even still be a top 25 team by the end of that. By, by Was that November 4th? Clemson could find its way. there in the top 25 on the outside looking in. So I think everything is still in front of them. I think a one-loss Notre Dame team may still make the college football playoff, especially how close they lost to Ohio State. So they're going to continue to stay focused, I think, until that goal is gone. Um, And and as of right now, that goal is still there. So give me them uh, beating Duke on the road.
0: All right. Uh, Any other games that we didn't hit, Nick, that you just have a good gut feeling about one way or the other, anything that you're looking at, maybe buying a ticket on, that uh, you think is just a really good lean for you? Uh, Not really. Um, This week, uh, you know,
1: last week we – Took a step in the wrong direction as far as our performance on wrong teams favored. This week, we already talked about kind of a weird one with Ole Miss being favored. Um, I don't necessarily trust. We've got actually Temple as a very, very slight favorite on the road at Tulsa. Uh, That game is Thursday night. Um, We've got Utah, uh, excuse me, UConn favored uh, against Utah State. That, That one is a little bit of a weird one, even though that game is at home for UConn. Uh, South Alabama on the road favored over James Madison. Don't feel great about that one. Uh, USF we had favored last week uh, and they pulled it out against rice. We have USF favored again, but against Navy, which is a a team that our numbers have struggled with a little bit. So um, those I think are are certainly worth monitoring and the first three weeks of the season, we did pretty well on those, but um, I, I'm not real confident in uh those as as true you know upset picks or, or whatever this week but um at least that's that's what the projections are are
0: singling out as as uh games in which maybe the wrong team is favored anything uh you look at and and like a lean on here xavier or uh, any game you're just looking forward to seeing this weekend
2: i got a weird one um that you guys might scoff at i think nebraska might cover against michigan nope and I and just half. wrote
0: up how I think Michigan beats Nebraska into the ground
2: there we go I love it already um I think to to your credit of stomping in the ground give me Missouri to cover against Vanderbilt I think 13 and a half is maybe a little too low with the way I like that deep. one
0: yeah I think the only reason that's low is because I think Cook and burden are both questionable I think they both I play. So so it I'm might like, be a look ahead spot too because aren't they playing lsu next week or somebody short, good uh yeah, sounds so. like aj swan is more doubtful than questionable for vandy too Oof. and aj swan i believe is actually leading the country in big time throws so mm-hmm. uh yeah 16 next high is tyler van dyke with 13 and then davis Brin with 13 so uh yeah uh not good for vandy
2: and then um yeah i, I think Give me Coastal Carolina to bounce back from that loss to Georgia State last, last week and beat Georgia Southern. That's going to be my upset for this week. All, All right.
1: Weird. Xavier found a way to mention a Georgia State win and a Georgia Southern loss.
0: Yeah, hey, <laughs> you know what? I'm not <laughs> going to blame him for that. Right? <laughs> so. Hey,
1: Georgia I mean, State looking say- really, really good. Favored this week against yeah. Troy. A, Troy a eyebrow raise for me. Yeah, for sure. Massive, massive game there. Um, I got one
2: last one. And this is just because I hate both teams. South Carolina mm-hmm. cover against Tennessee. Um, give me South Carolina cover against Tennessee.
0: You know, I have to admit, Spencer Rattler has looked pretty good. So, uh, Yes, Nick. I-, <laughs> love that. I love it. mick <laughs> has got a uh, black and red beat Auburn pin he's holding up. So Perfection uh, is what it means. Love that. Hey, look, you know, he's not he- – Nick isn't going to throw it in your face like Xavier and I, is fandom, but you know, got to root against Soburn. So,
1: you got to root for the old alma mater. That I think I've had that button since like
0: 2007. Wow. Yeah. That uh, that button can go to driver's license this year. Wait, wait, wait wait, wait, wait. You
1: said 2007, <laughs> correct?
2: Huh? You said 2007? Yeah, I think so. Uh, were you at that game? game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I have in, that I was place. in school then. I have my I have that plaque in my bedroom. It had it's the it's the first blackout game. It's like Muhammad Masakwai oh, and Matthew Stack. Yeah, yeah.
0: A big deal, Muhammad Masakwai. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we are going in the wayback machine here. Can't believe that. Reminiscing. So. You're still with oh, us. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they are. This isn't like our off season shows. This is just a little like ten minutes longer than <laughs> Uh That is going to wrap it up for us. Uh, have a great week five, everyone. Enjoy it. Remember, you can follow us all at Campus the number two Canton at Bogman Sports, at CFB Winning Edge, and at Xavier underscore or I-C-H-E. We will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.